Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm Senior Editor of Wildcat Authority, Jason Shear, and it's it's another good podcast, simply put, because we are talking about an Arizona win uh, in a game that a lot of people thought that Arizona wouldn't win, mostly because it's not easy to go on the road and play in a, in a sold-out environment. We didn't know until late in the week who the starting quarterback would be. Uh, and it didn't really matter. Uh, Arizona was the better team uh, against Colorado, and once again, the the defense came up with some big stops in in the fourth quarter. But uh, before we get into that stuff, let's kind of take a look overall at, at the wind and, and what led to it. Some interesting stats, and to me, uh, the biggest stat that sits out or stands out besides Khalil Tate, which we'll get to in a minute, is the fact that Arizona won a game with 83 yards rushing. Uh, if I would to tell you before the Colorado game that Arizona was only going to rush for 83 yards, three yards uh, in attempt, uh, you would have told me that Arizona got blown out. Um, they did it, obviously, but uh, it's kind of the second game in a row uh, that Arizona is struggling with the run a, a little bit. There's a variety of reasons for it. Um and, and Kevin Sumlin kind of discussed that today. Uh, so let's kind of take a listen at, at what he had to say today. Well, I would say that um, certainly two weeks ago with a true freshman quarterback, the, the defenses you saw were completely different, right? Um, blitzes were different. They were bringing them from everywhere. Corner blitzes, all kinds of different things. Um, and I think the fact that coming into this game, nobody was really sure uh, who was going to play quarterback. And to be honest with you, if, if we're playing another team and, and you know, you've got a freshman quarterback who's, who was a starter the week before, um, you know, you guys play Madden, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> Blitz him. And then if you've got a, another guy who is out with a leg injury and is not going to run, what are you going to do? So we're seeing a lot of people that are on the line of scrimmage based on their, those two guys at quarterback. Um, but they've both been effective, and I think you know our offensive staff did a, a nice job at halftime of really the recognition of, of what those issues were and getting the ball on the perimeter. And, was, you know, and for us, uh, just to be honest with you, you know, those, like I said, if you the screens, the, 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 the deals that were going on on the, on the perimeter, um, those are just the extension of run plays for us. And so the week before, you know, although Grant um, ran it a couple times, but when he pulled it, he threw it outside too. So it's a combination of those things. You try to utilize all our talent, spread the field. Um, you know, two weeks ago, he, he, you know, Grant gets credit for um, probably the first two plays of the game for passes, right? And the three of those jet sweeps, are those are, those are run plays for us. So there you have it. Uh, basically, it, it comes down to opponents, rightfully so, are are playing Arizona and kind of saying to themselves, look, we're going to take the runaway. Uh, Arizona is going to have a difficult time if we load the box and focus on the run. And, and I would expect Washington to do the same thing this weekend, and, and they should. I mean, if I was a, a defensive coordinator playing Madden, like Kevin Sumlin said, uh, I would do the same thing. The problem that Colorado had was that uh, like someone mentioned, what Arizona wound up doing in the second half were, were those outside screens over and over and over again. 
And what makes those possible is that Arizona's receivers are really good blockers. Um, you know, you take a look and you watch on video guys like Cedric Peterson. He is a very legitimate blocker for a wide receiver or for any position. And, and you just take a look at the numbers receiving. Uh, Khalil Tate had 31 completions. All right. Seven to Brian Castile, six to Michael Wiley, four Joyner, four to Cunningham, three to Peterson, two to Bam, and then one to Booby Curry, Drew Dixon, Stanley Berryhill, Gary Brightwell, and Jalen Johnson. Uh, he, he couldn't have spread the ball out more than he did on Saturday against Colorado. And what happens is, uh, like Brian Castile, for instance, those became run plays. I mean, they're just little screens where he's basically making a guy miss, and if you're not going to play Arizona man-to-man, uh, you're going to have an issue. The problem is it's difficult to play Arizona man-to-man because of Arizona's run game and because of other things that Arizona likes to do offensively. So really, Arizona's offense has become extremely difficult to plan for because Noel Mazzoni has done a really nice job of of giving opponents different looks because that screen game, while they like to use it as the run, uh, they don't necessarily use it as much as they did against Colorado. But now you're Washington, you're saying, okay, is Arizona going to go with that run? Are they going to go with those screen passes over and over again? Are they going to try to beat us with slants, etc.? How is Arizona going to attack us? And none of that, what I just mentioned, is possible without the performance of Khalil Tate. Uh, this is a guy where... You know, whenever Khalil Tate gets injured, fair or not fair, probably not fair, but uh, the injuries are a question because of what happened last season. And he missed the UCLA game, and, and Arizona was able to to beat UCLA with Grant Cannell. And, uh, you know, most people kind of went out with, with a question, but, you know, Khalil Tate was pretty much practicing on Monday. It was just a matter of soreness, not wanting to risk it against UCLA. And although the coaches may not admit it on paper, they probably thought to themselves, hey, we could beat UCLA with Grant Gunnell. Um, and they were right. So they went out, got Khalil Tate healthy. He took the reps in practice. He was pretty much always going to start. Um, Kevin Sumlin didn't tell anyone that because there's no reason to. Um, obviously, the secret's out now, so there won't be any talk about who's starting against Washington on Saturday. But uh, Khalil Tate went out, and he started poorly. What wasn't great, uh, had the really bad interception in the first half that eventually led to a, a Colorado score. Uh, but then... From there on out, uh, he was a monster. I mean, he was, for all the people that say that Khalil Tate can't throw, that's a bad game for their argument. Uh, 31 of 41 uh, through the through the interception, like we mentioned, uh, but also through three touchdowns, averaged 13 yards completion, averaged 9.9 yards an attempt, uh, which is quite a bit for, for an attempt for a quarterback. So it wasn't just the short game. Uh, you take a look at the longs, uh, Brian Castile, that 33-yard touchdown, Joyner 29, Cunningham 49, Cedric Peterson, that 75-yard bomb, Booby Curry 19-yard passes. So even though we talk about the screen game, it wasn't just the screen game. I mean, you know, props to Khalil Tate for basically taking control of the offense. And I don't know if his lack of rushing, he had four rush attempts for 23 yards, uh, the longest one being the the last play of the game where he kind of he he sealed the victory with the first down run. I don't know if the lack of running was a strategy thing or it was because he wasn't completely healthy. But I know that he sat in the pocket and played well. I know that when he got out of the pocket, he generally made the right decisions. And uh, you know, it, it, it's do I expect Khalil Tate to throw for 400 yards every game? No. 
But you take a look at what Arizona is doing offensively. They're one of the best passing teams in the country now, too. And so now you have a top 20 passing team, a top 10, 12 rushing attack, and Arizona's offense is really, really good. And it's very difficult to plan for because I think the reality is the rushing game won't struggle like this every game. They're going to have one of those breakout games um, that they've been having. So Khalil Tate deserves all the credit. He he would have been Pac-12 Player of the Week if it wasn't for Jake Luton at, at Oregon State doing what he did against uh, UCLA, which is pretty much what every quarterback's done against UCLA. But um, to Khalil Tate's credit, he I, I think he proved a lot of people wrong for for at least one week. And uh, it, you know I, I shouldn't ignore Colorado's defense. That's not to take anything away from Khalil Tate. Uh, but I don't know what Colorado's defensive plan was. Like I mentioned before, they were sitting back in zone, and Arizona was doing screen pass after screen pass and stretching the perimeter, and Colorado could do nothing about it. And then Arizona's receivers were making those DBs and linebackers miss in space, um, and it got kind of ridiculous <laughs> at a point because uh, Colorado just couldn't stop anything Arizona wanted to do uh, offensively. What's crazy is, um, you know, you take a look at the total offensive yards, and Arizona only finished with nine less yards than Colorado, but ran 14 less plays. I mean, they gained over seven yards of play. Um, there's just so many positives to take away from this game offensively. Uh, and, and, you know, again, the only negative is probably the run game. Uh, I do think that, you know, even though Gary Brightwell played well in J.J. Taylor's absence, I think we're seeing the difference between Taylor and Brightwell. And, and uh, I think Gary Brightwell's really good. Um, but I just think J.J. Taylor adds a, a shiftier, harder-to-miss kind of element. And when the offensive line is struggling with his run blocking a little bit, I think Taylor's maybe a, a better fit than a guy like Brightwell. Uh, with that being said, even if Taylor is back against Washington, I actually think Brightwell is somewhat of a better fit this week. It's kind of weird. I, I think that you know, watching the Stanford-Washington game, and, and we'll preview Washington in another podcast, but watching that game, I, I think a lot of it depends on the matchups. But Arizona needs J.J. Taylor. Uh, Kevin Sumlin said today they need J.J. Taylor of last year back in order to be successful for the rest of the season. And I don't think he was saying that just to make J.J. Taylor happy. I think they legitimately need him. Gary Brightwell has been fine. Michael Wiley played really well against Colorado with uh, with the passing game. It, it's pretty obvious. I mean, he only had one carry for two yards, but he added six catches for 48 yards. Uh, he had that big catch where he just put his head down and, and told Colorado to tackle him, and they couldn't. He, he might be the best receiver out of the bunch. Um, Bam Smith might have something to say with that, uh, and rightfully so, but Bam was a little nicked up, and, and so all of a sudden they're kind of uh, down some running backs. But um, uh, I think it's something that kind of, you know, even though they're down, they still have Brightwell, they still have Tilford. The hope is that they get Bam Smith or uh, or J.J. Taylor or both back. There's obviously some talent at that position. I think Tilford deserves a major shout-out. In a game where Arizona was struggling to run the ball, Gary Brightwell only averaged 2.5 yards a carry. Tilford came in, 5 carries, 23 yards, uh, and the 2 touchdowns, 4.6 yards a carry, uh, which is obviously really good for, for any running back. So he's a guy where maybe we see his carries go up, or maybe Arizona just uses him as a change of pace back, but I'm not sure Arizona wins that game uh, unless they have the performance from Telford, because I think at the very least there were times where he kept Colorado honest, and if Colorado didn't want to stay honest, uh, it allowed Telford to kind of get those yards and, and make a real impact in the game. The offensive line, which we talked about before, the run blocking wasn't great, but man, I mean the pass blocking is is awesome. 
it, it's been really good the past few weeks. Uh, this is a team where you know Colorado didn't get any sacks in this game, and that's that's pretty impressive when you consider that Arizona went back 41 times to pass the ball. Um, you know, really nice job pass blocking, and uh, you know this this offensive line is good, and and it's crazy because I asked I asked recently asked Cody Creason about it, and he didn't really have an answer, and then I asked another lineman about it. Uh, I think it was Donovan Lay, and he, and he didn't have an answer. But when you look at Arizona and their offensive line. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, they had Joe Gilbert, success. They had Kyle Devan, uh, success. The offensive line coach, Jim Halchek, success. No matter who is coaching this offensive line in the last five years or whatever it may be, Arizona's run game is successful. I mean, they've been one of the best run teams in the country. And you take a look at their offensive line right now, these aren't four- and five-star players. I mean, Donovan Lay is really good. He was a three-star lineman at a high school with not many offers. Josh McCauley is a walk-on center that most teams in the Pac-12 would take. Their right tackle is Edgar Barola, who will tell you himself that he came in overweight to Arizona and, and changed mentally. They have a, ju- a Juco tackle splitting time with him and Peyton Fierce, who was pretty highly recruited, so I'll give Arizona that with West Virginia, etc. But he's a guy where he's getting better and better. Uh, Cody Creason is another guy. Had some Pac-12 offers, but wasn't really highly recruited. Uh, Robert Coggle, walk on at Texas A&M and then transferred to Arizona. This is a line that just gets the job done. They're not these dominating linemen that other school may have, like a Stanford where Stanford puts out a line of five-star guys, and of course Stanford's able to run the ball. Uh, this is Arizona, which is very well coached and, and gets the, the line done. And you could credit the players. You could credit the coaches for recruiting the right guys. You could credit the head coaches, the position coaches, etc. Whatever it may be, I think the offensive line probably doesn't get the credit that it deserves because they are able to really block well, and obviously they make this offense go um, because without that success uh, that the line has, obviously Arizona's defense is going to struggle as a whole. So offensively, I think Arizona's fine right now. It'll get harder. This week with Washington, Washington's probably the best off uh, defensive team that Arizona has faced this year. Um, but, you know, if Arizona's offense is able to do what it's been doing, uh, it's probably going to score some points against UW. Sanford scored some points, and Sanford's one of the worst offensive teams in the country, literally. So that's something, uh, again, we'll get to later on um, this week. Uh, defensively, weird game because... Uh, I was very critical of Arizona's defense early in the game, and even throughout, uh, the tackling was bad. And and I think it's a national thing where the tackling is bad. I don't think it's an Arizona issue. If you watch college football, tackling is bad. And the reason is because there's certain rules in place with depth charts and numbers and things like that where if you're a college team, you can't afford injuries. Like, Arizona can't afford... Uh, major guy on offense to get hurt. Arizona can't afford Colin Schooler or Tony Fields to get hurt. Uh, other teams can't afford their starters. So, like Clay Helton at USC, and I know that might be a bad example because people don't think he's a great coach, they, they barely tackle in practice. Um, and other teams throughout the country barely, pra- uh, barely tackle in practice because, simply put, uh, injuries and depth in college football is a big issue. So, what you're seeing is you're seeing coaches come up with different ways, tackling dummies, the automated ones, the ones that just stand there. Um, you're seeing more fundamental stuff, and then you have to go out on Saturday or whatever it may be, and you have to tackle effectively, and it's not easy to do. 
So Arizona is not great at tackling right now. But if you sit down on Saturday and watch college football, you're going to see a lot of teams that aren't good at tackling. And that's not an excuse for Arizona. It's more of me saying it's a widespread problem as as opposed to a Tucson problem. And yes, Arizona has to get better at tackling. There were some plays, um, obviously, where where Arizona just wasn't very good at tackling on Saturday. Um, Fenton Connolly, for instance, really pressured the quarterback. Uh, in terms of getting pressure on Steven Montez, one of the better games that I've seen. The issue is that Fenton Connolly is such a big guy and it's hard for him to move. Um, he would flush Montez out of the pocket and, and he wouldn't be able to make the tackle, but then there was no one else kind of around him. Um, you know, like that play at the end of the first half really comes to mind where Montez seemed like he was running back there for uh, 30 minutes and then finally found a guy open for a touchdown. The fact that a receiver is open, that's not the big deal. Like, no DB can guard a receiver for that long or a tight end for that long. It's, it is impossible to do. The bigger issue is that Arizona couldn't get to and tackle Montez. Um, and and the, the schedule is going to get harder, and Arizona has to tackle better. Uh, Colorado, I, I think it really showed on a few plays. Um, but it got better as the game went on. And guys like Tony Field and Colin Schooler uh, really led the way there. And, and Arizona's getting some really nice plays from Fenton Connolly, like I mentioned. And there's room for growth. Uh, but there's also some, some good things. Um, you know, you take a look at the best thing right now, and obviously it's that fourth quarter defense. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times teams will talk about their conditioning coach, and you're like, all right, whatever. You know, it's not a big deal. But when... You talk to an Arizona player, every Arizona player that I've talked to has figured out a way to get strength and conditioning coach Brian Johnson mentioned in the conversation. During Kevin Sumlin's press conference on Monday, he brought up Brian Johnson when discussing the fourth quarter. Arizona went to altitude at Colorado and was better conditioned in the fourth quarter than Colorado, who obviously plays there and practices there every day. Uh, Arizona was the faster team. They were the stronger team. They were the better conditioned team in that fourth quarter. You could say the same thing against UCLA, and you could say the same thing against Texas Tech. And Cody Creason said it best when I asked him, and he said uh, that you can feel, and Gary Brightwell said the same thing, you could feel the opposition getting slower. And Gary Brightwell had a nice quote where he said, if I'm the one initiating hits, I know that the opposing defense is done. Uh, And he's right. That's what's happening in these fourth quarters, Arizona, the last three games, is outscoring opponents 29-3. to three. Uh, That's ridiculous. That's something that is, is really, really impressive. And as bad as Arizona played in the fourth quarter, I'm sorry, in the first three quarters against Colorado, uh, 16 plays, 49 yards is what Colorado had in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, you're talking the, the best defenses in the country. Don't put up numbers like that. And no, I'm not saying Arizona is among the best defenses in the country. I'm saying in that fourth quarter, when they were putting up those numbers and making those stops, they were really, really good. I mean, that play at the end where Montez was pressured by Fields and threw it away, that's a big-time play. For Colorado to get down to Arizona's two, I think it was, and then Arizona to force a field goal, that won the game for Arizona as far as I'm concerned. That game changed the entire momentum because up until that point, it had been a ridiculous offensive game. And then finally, one of these teams' defenses showed up and said, uh-uh, we're going to make a stop now. And it was almost like Colorado didn't know what hit them because teams hadn't made stops yet. Uh, so super impressive stuff from Arizona's defense. And, you know, you take a look at a a closer look at everything, and, and it's it actually gets 
more impressive when you consider time of possession. For instance, Colorado had the ball 11 minutes more than Arizona. And again, I mentioned Arizona was still had more energy in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, halftime, the, the time possession was ridiculous. Uh, Arizona went, only had the ball four minutes in the second quarter. And it evened out in the fourth quarter, eventually evened out. But still, I mean, for, for Arizona to have the energy that it did in the fourth quarter and, and really play generally well defensively uh, was a big deal. And, and I mentioned in my keys to the game, Steven Montez is a really good quarterback. I think he's a, a very good talent. I think the one thing that, that's going to be a knock for him on the next level and the one thing that's a knock for him in college is that when you get him out of the pocket – He's a flat-out bad quarterback. He cannot. He does not do well in the pocket. He went 28 of 42 for 299 yards. Um, you know, Khalil Tate had three more uh, completions on one less attempt, had two more touchdowns, and had 105 more yards. So, uh, and you would not have predicted that before the game. Um, you know, Colorado Tony Brown got his 10 catches, 141 yards. So be it. That guy's really good. But no one else really hurt Arizona. I mean, Dimitri Stanley had the big catch on the trick play, so that's why his yardage is a little bit misleading. But, you know, the, the run game, I think Arizona generally stopped the run when it needed to. Four and a half yards a carry for Fontenot. Um, he had the long of 22. He played well, uh, but he had 94 net because he lost uh, the 12 yards. So 21 for 94 yards. Not very good. I mean, that's fine. Arizona can limit that. Jared Mangum, uh, the freshman, 10 carries, 34 yards cool. You know, that's fine. Three yards of carry. Uh, so be it. The best run of the day uh, was probably Tony Brown, again, the 15-yard touchdown run. But again, Tony Brown is a, is a monster. He's just really good. And you take a look at the individual performances on defense. Uh, Arizona had four tackles for loss. So again, it goes back to, yeah, Arizona didn't have any sacks. Uh, but it had three QB hurries, and it had four tackles for loss. And so it only has four sacks on the season. I'm not going to pretend like that's good enough. But if Arizona's getting to the quarterback and forcing five or six turnovers a game, I'm sorry, five or six QB pressures a game, uh, Arizona's obviously going to be, they're going to be fine. So sacking the quarterback is great, but if they're going to go and get some tackles for loss, it's pretty much the same thing, especially against the run. A uh, few defensive players, uh, I think, deserve to be called out for their performance. Tony Fields is playing the best football of his career. 11 tackles, broke up a pass, had the big play at the end, uh, coming off the UCLA game where he was absolutely fantastic. This is the best football that Tony Fields has played. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the best football he's played is with Arizona finally giving Anthony Pandy an opportunity and with Arizona at times putting three linebackers on the field. I think Tony Fields is a really talented kid, but he may not have been pushed as much as he needed to be. And I think the presence of a guy like Anthony Pandy is uh, is really pushing Tony Fields to play the best football of his career. I mean, he's been all over the place. He played absolutely fantastic. Colin Schooler, same deal. Another great linebacker playing well. One tackle for loss, eight tackles overall. Uh, played played well. I mean, he just played really well. Anthony Pandy was the other guy who had a tackle for loss, and, and he finished with three tackles. Uh, Tristan Cooper. Um, you know, maybe he didn't pop out on the screen when you're watching that game, but I'm not sure, besides Tony Fields, that there was a defensive player that had a better performance than Tristan Cooper. Uh, it, and it's interesting because against UCLA, he didn't do a lot. And, and this is a sign where Marcel Yates is switching things up and, and he's moving guys around and, and Tristan Cooper bounces back and has his best game of the season with nine tackles in. 
He's a guy that struggled in coverage. He did not struggle in coverage on Saturday. Uh, I thought he played really well. He was where he needed to be more often than not. Uh, and he's a guy where he, he's an element maybe a little bit overlooked because depending on what Arizona plays, he may not start all the time. They could go with Whitaker uh, instead of Cooper. Maybe they do that this weekend. We'll see. I doubt it. I, I think it, this is the type of game that fits Cooper well. Um, but uh, it, it's kind of a situation where uh, he's getting overlooked a little bit, but he's a really good football player. And it might be my favorite interview on the team also because he's honest as heck uh, to the point where I'm actually waiting for him to get in trouble. Uh, because I, I think uh, a few weeks ago on a tangent, uh, he basically said that late hits are stupid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one of my favorite players just because he's so honest. But uh, another defensive guy, Jalen Harris. And, and I'll say this about Jalen Harris. Uh, he had two court, quarterback uh, hurries in, in the game, and he's a guy where Arizona needs him on the field. And I know there's been some frustration, but someone has been consistent in his answer. And basically what he's saying is, Opposing offenses are catching Arizona with certain defensive personnel groupings, and they're stopping subbing on offense because what happens is if you sub on offense and Arizona's on defense, um, Arizona could sub. If, let's say Colorado, in the Colorado game, obviously, if Colorado doesn't sub, Arizona can't sub defensively. So if Jalen Harris comes off the field or whatever for a breather and Colorado notices that, they're not subbing. All of a sudden, they run 12 straight plays without subbing or whatever. Well, that's 12 plays that Jalen Harris is missing. So it's not necessarily that Arizona doesn't like Jalen Harris. It's kind of insinuated by someone that other teams have so much respect for guys like Harris that they're finding ways to keep him off the field. And, and as someone put it, other teams coach too. I mean, everyone has a coach, and that's the strategy that they're going with. So Arizona could put Jalen Harris in, in certain packages and switch things up, but all of a sudden maybe you have Jalen Harris in a package where he has to sit and play 12 downs or uh, in a row or, or whatever it may be, and, and they're getting kind of caught up with alignments that they don't necessarily want. Um, so I think that is something to watch moving forward is how, for instance, Washington handles that. But that's what happens with Jalen Harris. I do think Arizona needs him on the field. But with that being said, I think the excuse for him not being on the field uh, isn't all that terrible. I think it kind of makes sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Arizona handles it moving forward. Uh, one last defensive player, Trevon Mason, I, I think is really coming around. He's a guy where he was badly out of shape when he came to campus and no fault of his own really i mean this is a kid that wasn't even sure he was going to play college football he qualified so late came to campus the day before workouts began it's not easy to do that no fall camp or you know uh, no spring football fall camp got a late start etc he's playing really well the last three games uh had a tackle for losses game had three total tackles he's playing very well he's a guy where it's becoming difficult to take him off the field in the interior with fenton Connolly and so overall, I, I think um, someone said it before, and, and Arizona's defense is about getting the best guys on the field. And, and, I, and I've thought, since it was brought up to me after the Hawaii game, that that has always been Marcel Yates' biggest struggle, is not the technique, not the, uh, not the schemes or whatever, his lack of ability to recognize who the best players on defense are. Like the fact that Christian Roland Wallace needs to be on the field. Uh, Jace Whitaker needs to be on the field. Um, Fenton Connolly needs to be on the field, etc. And, and maybe those guys weren't playing as much. Um, but Marcel Yates has done a nice job the last three, four games of figuring out who those players are um, that are going to put Arizona in the best position to succeed moving forward. So overall, 
Um, yeah, there's some negatives with the Colorado game. The lack of a run game, I think, is something that's uh, a bit of a concern. But you take a look, and there's just there's almost too many positives to be too negative. Um, starting with obviously Khalil Tate, uh, the fourth quarter defense, etc. So, you know, a, a win's a win. Arizona's schedule only gets harder from now on. Uh, Washington, like I mentioned, we're going to to do a preview of Washington later in the week and, and have a good look at them. But you know, hey. Arizona with the win over Colorado, at least for a week, is uh, is all by itself. First place in the Pac-12 South. Um, and, and so, you know, credit to Arizona. Uh, credit to the way they bounced back after Hawaii. Most people, all people, myself included, pretty much called the season over after one week. Um, and then Marcel Yates puts up his middle finger to me, and uh, they win four games in a row. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe my reverse, the you know, the sheer jinx will continue and Arizona will go to a Rose Bowl or something. I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, with that being said, I appreciate you for joining me this week. We're going to have uh, at least one more podcast coming. Again, Preview Washington, and maybe we'll, we'll do a basketball one as well. But, um, again, appreciate you for joining me. Jason Shear, Senior Editor of Wildcat Authority, and this is your Wildcat Scoop podcast. <laughs>